0: Chapter Thirteen, Part B of the Monastery by Walter Scott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Thirteen, Part B. To all Elspeth's expostulations on the unkindness of his proposal to leave her dwelling, he answered composedly, "Nay, Dame, what could I tell? Ye might have had other grist to grind, for ye looked as if ye scarce saw us, or what know I." You might bear in mind the words Martin and I had about the last barley ye sawed, for I can dry mulchers footnote, Dry mulchers were a fine, or compensation in money, for not grinding at the mill of the thorough. It was and is accounted a vexatious exaction. End footnote. We'll sometimes stick in the throat a man seeks but his own, and yet folks shall hold him for both Miller and Miller's man, that is Miller and Knave footnote the under miller is in the language of thurlage called the knave which indeed signified originally his lad knabe, german but by degrees came to be taken in a worse sense in the old translation of the bible paul is made to term himself the knave of our saviour the allowance of meal taken by the miller's servant was called knaveship and footnote all the country over Alas that you will say so, neighbour Hob," said Dame Elspeth, "'or that Martin should have had any words with you about the mill I will chide him roundly for it, I promise you, on the faith of a true widow. You know full well that a lone woman is sore put upon by her servants.' "'Nay, dame,' said the miller, unbuckling the broad belt which made fast his cloak, and served at the same time to suspend by his side a swinging Andrea Ferrara. Bear no grudge at Martin, for—'I bear none.' I take it on me as a thing of mine office, to maintain my right of mulcher, lock, and gaupin. Footnote: The mulcher was the regular exaction for grinding the meal, the lock signifying a small quantity, and the gaupen, a handful, were additional perquisites demanded by the miller, and submitted to or resisted by the succoner as circumstances permitted. These and other petty dues were called in general the sequels. End footnote and reason good, for as the old song says, I live by my mill, God bless her, she's parent, child, and wife. The poor old slut I am beholden to her for my living, and bound to stand by her as I say to my mill knaves, in right and in wrong, and so should every honest fellow stand by his breadwinner. And so, mysie, ye may doff your cloak, since our neighbour is so kindly glad to see us why i think we are as blithe to see her not one in the halidome pays their mulchers more duly sequels ariage and carriage and mill services used and want with that the miller hung his ample cloak without farther ceremony upon a huge pair of stag's antlers which adorned at once the naked walls of the tower and served for what we vulgarly call cloak-pins in the meantime, Dame Elspeth assisted to disembarrass the damsel whom she destined for her future daughter-in-law, of her hood, mantle, and the rest of her riding-gear, giving her to appear as beseemed the buxom daughter of the wealthy miller, gay and goodly, in a white kirtle, the seams of which were embroidered with green silken lace or fringe, and twined with some silver thread. An anxious glance did Elspeth cast upon the good-humoured face, which was now more fully shown to her and was only obscured by a quantity of raven-black hair, which the maid of the mill had restrained by snood of green silk, embroidered with silver, corresponding to the trimmings of her kirtle. The countenance itself was exceedingly comely, the eyes black, large, and roguishly good-humoured, the mouth was small, the lips well-formed, though somewhat full, the teeth were pearly white, and the chin had a very seducing dimple in it. The form belonging to this joyous face was full and round, and firm and fair. It might become coarse and masculine some years hence, which is the common fault of Scottish beauty, but in Mysie's sixteenth year she had the shape of a hebe. The anxious Elspeth, with all her maternal partiality, could not help admitting within herself that a better man than Halbert might go farther and fare worse. She looked a little giddy, and Halbert was not nineteen. Still, it was time he should be settled, for to that point the dame always returned, and here was an excellent opportunity. The simple cunning of Dame Elspeth now exhausted itself in commendations of her fair guest, from the snood, as they say, to the single-soled shoe. Mysie listened and blushed with pleasure for the first five minutes. But ere ten had elapsed, she began to view the old lady's compliments rather as subjects of mirth than of vanity and was much more disposed to laugh at than to be flattered with them for nature had mingled the good humour with which she had endowed the damsel with no small portion of shrewdness even hob himself began to tire of hearing his daughter's praises and broke in with ay ay she is a clever queen enough and were she five years older she shall lay a loaded sack on an ever, properly a horse of labour with air a lass in the halidome but I have been looking for your two sons, dame. Men say down by that Halbert's turned a wild springald, and that we may have word of him from Westmoreland one moonlight night or another." "'God forbid, my good neighbour—God in his mercy forbid,' said Dame Glendinning earnestly, for it was touching the very keynote of her apprehensions to hint at any probability that Halbert might become one of the marauders so common in the age and country. But, fearful of having betrayed too much alarm on this subject, she immediately added, that though since the last rout at Pinkyclitch she had been all of a tremble when a gun or spear was named, or when men spoke of fighting, yet thanks to God and Our Lady her sons were like to live and die honest and peaceful tenants to the Abbey, as their father might have done, but for that awful hosting which he went forth to with money a brave man that never returned. "'Ye need not tell me of it, dame,' said the miller, "'since I was there myself, and made two pair of legs, "'and these were not mine but my mare's, worth one pair of hands. "'I judged how it would be when I saw our host break ranks "'with rushing on through that broken ploughed field, "'and so as they had made a pricker of me, "'I e'en pricked off with myself while the play was good.' "'Ay, ay, neighbour, said the dame, "'ye were a wise and a wary man,' If my Simon had had your wit he might have been here to speak about it this day. But he was a' cracking of his good blood and his high kindred, and less would not serve him than to bide the bang to the last, with the earls and knights and squires, that had no wives to greet for them, or else had wives that cared not how soon they were widows. But that is not for the like of us. But touching my son Halbert, there was no fear of him, for if it should be his misfortune to be in the like case, he has the best pair of heels in Halidome, and could run almost as fast as your mare herself." "'Is this he, neighbour? quoth the miller. "'No,' replied the mother, "'that is my youngest son, Edward, who can read and write like the Lord Abbot himself, if it were not a sin to say so.' "'Aye,' said the miller, "'and is that the young clerk the sub-prior thinks so much of? They say he will come far, Ben, that lad. What kens but he may come to be sub-prior himself?' as broken a ship has come to land." "'To be a prior, neighbor Miller,' said Edward, "'a man must first be a priest, and for that I judge I have little vocation.' "'He will take to the pedal, neighbor,' said the good dame, "'and so will Halbert too, I trust. I wish you saw Halbert. Edward, where is your brother?' "'Hunting, I think,' replied Edward. "'At least he left us this morning to join the laird of Combsley and his hounds. I have heard them baying in the glen all day.' And if I had heard that music, said the miller, it would have done my heart good, aye, and maybe taken me two or three miles out of my road. When I was the miller of Moore Battle's knave, I have followed the hounds from Eckford to the foot of Hounham Law, followed them on foot, Dame Glendinning, aye, and led the chase when the laird of Sesford and his gay riders were all thrown out by the mosses and gills. I brought the stag on my back to Hounham Cross, when the dogs had pulled him down. I think I see the old grey knight as he sate so upright on his strong war-horse all white with foam and miller said he to me and thou wilt turn thy back on the mill and wend with me i will make a man of thee but i chose rather to abide by clap and happer and the better luck was mine for the proud percy caused hang five of the laird's henchmen at alnwick for burning a rickle of houses some gate beyond fowberry and it might have been my luck as well as another man's ah neighbour neighbour said dame Glendinning. You were a wise and wary. But if you like hunting, I must say Halbert's the lad to please you. He hath all those fair holiday terms of hawk and hound as ready in his mouth as Tom with the Todd's tail. That is the Lord Abbot's ranger. Ranges he not homeward at dinner time, dame? demanded the miller. For we call noon the dinner hour at Kennequare. The widow was forced to admit that even at this important period of the day, Halbert was frequently absent, at which the miller shook his head, intimating at the same time some allusion to the proverb of Macfarlane's geese, which liked their play better than their meat. Footnote, a brood of wild geese, which long frequented one of the uppermost islands in Loch Lomond, called Inch Tavo, were supposed to have some mysterious connection with the ancient family of Macfarlane of that ilk and it is said were never seen after the ruin and extinction of that house the MacFarlands had a house and garden upon that same island of inch here james the sixth was on one occasion regaled by the chieftain his majesty had been previously much amused by the geese pursuing each other on the loch but when one which was brought to table was found to be tough and ill fed james observed that macfarlans geese liked their play better than their meat a proverb which has been current ever since End that the delay of dinner might not increase the miller's disposition to prejudge halbert dame glendinning called hastily on mary avenel to take her task of entertaining mysie happer while she herself rushed to the kitchen and entering at once into the province of tib tacket, rummaged among trenchers and dishes snatched pots from the fire and placed pans and gridirons on it accompanying her own feats of personal activity with such a continued list of injunctions to tib that tib at length lost patience and said here was as muckle work about meeting an old miller as if they had been to banquet the blood of bruce but this as it was supposed to be spoken aside dame glendinning did not think it convenient to hear end of chapter thirteen part b